tonight, and I'm going to try to move through this fairly smoothly without lingering too long on any particular passage, but if you know me, I don't know, I don't keep my promises. Sorry. Let me do this real quick. <clears throat> so I'm going to feed us all some scriptures. If you guys like the Word of God, I know one person here, okay, two people. Two people like the Word of God. They love, love the Word of God. So there's this thing in the Bible that we would call the throne room perspective. The throne room perspective. The scripture that is, is usually highlighted first, and I don't have it as my first one, it's actually the second part here, is the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 that says we are seated with, God has seated us with Christ in the heavenly realm or in heavenly places. Now you read that and you're thinking, how, how does that work? Like if, if, I am, if God has seated me with Christ Jesus, we know Jesus is not walking on the earth, right? He rose from the dead and in front of the disciples, in front of the crowd, he ascended into heaven before their eyes and disappeared into the clouds. Literally, physically went up into the air. I don't know what that looked like, but maybe he got smaller and smaller as they watched. And then poof, the clouds just Maybe that you know, kingdom ship was, you know, I don't know, whatever it was, wherever he went, maybe a portal opened up and he went into another realm. I, I don't know, you don't know, all we know is he ascended and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead, right? That's, that's Bible, that's our creed. But the Bible says that when Jesus rose, well, let's just read the scriptures. Okay, I'm just getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's let the Word of God tell us what, what actually happened to you and me when we became Christians and how our union with Jesus tied us into his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. So here we go. This is Ephesians chapter 1, 16 through 23. And if I could remember what versions, I have a little bit of English Standard Version, a little bit of the NIV. Surprisingly, I'm not using any of the Passion Translation tonight. I just felt like I wanted to go to the scriptures that I grew up learning. So here we go with Ephesians chapter 3. I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, 16 to 23. This is what we'd call an apostolic prayer. Paul the Apostle prayed this prayer, and I pray this over us right now. I pray it over me and you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Let's just pause for a second. Just read it again. Meditate on it for a second. Okay, Paul's praying that the eyes of our heart, the spiritual eyes, the eyes of our spirit man, spirit woman would be opened, right? That we would know this hope. Now, who in the room doesn't need hope? Okay, I need hope, you need hope. That we would know the hope that God has called us to. And first point of that hope is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. There is an inheritance for us. We have a rich inheritance. Like money cannot buy it. <laughs> they're, they're good, they're good. I can see little brother, but like, don't keep them. Anyway, sorry, I shouldn't highlight you guys. I don't want you to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay, so riches of his inheritance, glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us 
who believe. That power that you and I have right now living inside of us by the Holy Spirit, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. You have resurrection power inside of you. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, Judy. Amen. Now, sometimes you hear the truth like that and you're like, I believe it because it's the Bible, but I don't feel it. I just, there's part of me that just, like I'm two people in one. Part of the one half of me says, yes, it's the Bible, it's true, I believe it. And the other half, half is like, but I just don't see it or experience it. There's a, a point where we need to bring ourselves, bring your individual self into unity. You're not a split personality. You are one new creation in Christ. So I just pray right now that there would be a single-minded spirit released over each one of us right now. The, the spirit of single-minded, single focus, that we would receive the truth and as we believe and as we have faith in the Word of God, that our, our thoughts and our emotions would come into agreement and alignment with the truth. Amen? There we go. Okay. So that's the yellow part there. <clears throat> when he raised Christ from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. Just say all rule and authority. And all power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, just say all things, all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's an interesting verse to really pick apart and look at in other versions, but the body of Christ, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, we are his body. We are filling up the body of Christ and he is filling us. It's wild to even wrap your mind around some of these mysteries of the word of God. Okay, so we see this. We see Paul's praying that we would have revelation our spirit would be enlightened, we'd see, we'd be able to see this, really grasp it, this, this treasure trove, this inheritance that we have that's in his holy people and the power of God that is in us, this resurrection power, and that we would see Jesus, who God has raised above all rule and authority, above every power and dominion and every name that is invoked. Okay, so Jesus is king, he is at the top. There's nothing over him. He is waiting right now, the Bible says, until all of his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. So I think most of us already believe that. We know Jesus is king. He's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's enthroned in heaven. He rules and reigns. And we're stuck here on earth, waiting for him to hurry up and get back and rescue us. Right, Gail? I mean, Judy. Private conversation. Does she listen to the podcast? This message is for you, Gail, if you listen later. Okay, so it's important that we not only see where Jesus is right now and what he rules and reigns over, but where we are at. So the next, oh, okay, so I've got a, I've got a diagram. I'm going to 
to show it to you guys. Don't try to absorb all of it. And I'm going to point some things out about it. Why are you laughing back there, son? Okay. This diagram came from this lady, uh, this Japanese brain scientist. Her name is Aiko, A-I-K-O, for those who want to look her up. Last name Horman. She married a German guy, so Aiko Horman. Brain scientist in her 90s. She may be with the Lord now. This was probably, she's been going since the 70s. She is so educated and she just has so much knowledge about the human brain and the body. And then she got saved and God gave her a lot of revelation from the scriptures about how the brain cooperates, how we physical human beings cooperate spiritually, supernaturally with God. So I just want you guys to catch this picture. If I could have redid my own picture, I would have. But what I basically want you to see is that this would be the heavenly perspective. We have the earthly realm where you and I are these little stick figures walking around, right? We have the second heaven. How do we know it's called the second heaven? Because Paul says, I know a man who was caught up into the third heaven where he saw the throne room of God, basically. So if there's a third heaven, then I guess that means there's a second heaven. Okay, and we know that in the second heaven, that's where all of the spiritual battle is, ta is happening. Ephesians chapter six, you know, we wage not against, we wage not a war against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers and authorities, principalities. So we have the spiritual battle going on around us. It's not like way up there above our atmosphere either. It's like we're basically kind of in the cloud sort of, but we're walking on earth. So you and I walk on the, on the first, in the first heaven. There's a battle going on in the second heaven. And then Jesus, our King, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, he is in the third heaven, ruling and reigning. A few good scriptures. We're reading, we're going to read the second chapter of Ephesians. We did first Ephesians, Ephesians 1. I think we're going to have some Hebrews 10. I don't know about the rest. But I just got, I want you guys to see this picture. First heaven, second heaven, third heaven. We are the body of Christ. We are connected to Jesus, who is our head. Jesus is the head of the church. We just read that. He is the head. He, God has placed him as head over the church who fills all things. So we, we see ourselves every day stuck here on earth, right? Because we are. We're walking on this planet. But the scripture is telling us something else. The scripture is telling us that we, as the body of Christ, are actually seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I've had some fun with this. I've read it in a book. I actually stole it from a guy named Jamie Galloway. He, he said that we are uh, bilocational. We are bilocational humans. You and I walk on planet Earth and at the simultaneously moment, in, in the same time, simultaneously, we are seated with Christ. It is our position. Let's look at the scripture. I don't want to lose you guys with a, a diagram. Because that, that diagram, you won't find it in the Bible. All the scriptures you will. But Okay, here we go. This would be Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Okay, all of us were among them at one time. All of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, that's the sobering reality. 
at one time we're all in the same boat, right? We're all stuck, if, you, if I could go back to that picture, we're all stuck here on earth separated from God. We weren't a part of the body of Christ. We were just, I don't know what you call those in some of your sci-fi stuff, gray people or something like that. We're, we're like the living dead. We were, we were walking, yet we were spiritually dead to God. Land of the living dead. Okay, but the scripture tells us, but because of his great love for us, so this is something that's so important for us to know. It's not because God was so angry at you that he just had to figure out a way to, to make some sort of redemption happen out of our wormy, useless life. No, it's because of his love for you. Because he loved you, Lord. Because God loved you, Cheryl. Because he loved you, new folks that visited tonight. All of us, because of his love, his great love, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So here we go. We're going to look at some other scriptures that are going to help us to make sense of that, to actually paint a picture that you can see with scriptures how this, this spiritual reality actually can be something that you can embrace and make a little more sense of. So I just, I'm going to just pray right now that God would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would know him more, we would understand his ways, that his ways would be our ways, that we would know him, and we would understand, as Paul prayed, um, uh, that we would get a measure of the wisdom of God, of our inheritance that Jesus paid for. So guys, I don't want myself, I don't want you guys, I don't want any of us to miss out on some of the aspects of how God has designed this for us to work and to walk with him. He has made it so you and I can rule and reign in life. Thank you. I've got my amen cheerleader right here. Anyway, oh sorry, I forgot where I was at. Let's take one look at you and I get captivated. Oh yes, that was that scripture. Okay, so I'm gonna do this one more time. I got one more chart, one more diagram. You guys ready for it? It's another one from Iko. Yes, I was feasting on some of her teaching this week because I just wanted to hear something uh, fresh. She's got some interesting stuff, some that's a little bit out there. But So, if we have a throne room perspective and we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, then this is our position. We are right here with Jesus in the heavenly realm where he is far above all rule and all reign, all powers and authorities, all demonic strongholds. He is the victorious king ruling and reigning, right? And he told us, this is how you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth just as it is in heaven. So we're, we're here ruling and reigning with Christ Jesus in this life. And we are doing our battle, or you could even just say, we, we pray our prayers, not as helpless humans down here on earth saying, oh God, please break through. Please heal my child or my spouse or my, my parent. Please, please come and do a miracle right here. No, we actually get the, the privilege when we get the revelation of where we stand the, the, the word of God comes by hearing. Okay, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, right? So if we hear the word of, of Christ, we hear the word of God, and it releases faith in us, 
to step into our prayer target, our, our prayer life in a different way. So, so this is the, the point I'm trying to get to, is when we pray, we get to pray from victory towards the situation. We don't have to pray as the helpless victims here on this end, waiting for the victory that's in heaven to break through here on earth. We actually are seated with Christ and we get to release through the declaration, the power of your words are powerful. When you speak to that, that situation, just like Jesus grabbed the hand of that woman and he rebuked the fever and the fever left. He said to the little, the little girl that was dead, he grabbed her, I don't know if he held her hand, but he said, little girl, wake up. Jesus spoke and things changed. And he told us that we can do the same works that he did. John chapter 14, the, the same works that I do, you shall do also, because I'm going to the Father. And I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you a counselor, a teacher, the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you. He'll remind you of everything that I said. And he's going to be in you. The Holy Spirit would be in you so that the, the kingdom of God, the power of God's rule and reign would be encased inside of you and me that we could walk in this planet and release the power of God to destroy the works of the devil. First in our own lives and in our family and in whatever sphere of influence God gives us. So I don't want to focus too much. I mean, if you want to take a screenshot and look up the scriptures, you can. They're all good verses that would help to make sense, but it's mainly from Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And yeah, Psalms up there. So anyway, do you guys get the picture? Okay, so when we talk about having a throne room perspective or a third heaven perspective, this is kind of the picture we want to see. We want to, we want to know where you and I are positioned. And we are positioned with Christ. We get to step into his presence. Like we're here on earth and we have access. Let's check out some scriptures. That's fine. She's good. Come on, cheer me on. I need some more amens down there. This is uh, Romans 6, 2 through 4. This will help make sense. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So the first point I want to make with that is that you and I have been united with Christ in his death. I sometimes would say, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a dead man. I won't do that tonight because I don't want you to declare death over your spouse or something. But the reality is, the old you is dead. Paul himself says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. So, so Paul even though he's a living, breathing human being on the earth, he declared a true reality over his life, a perspective. I am crucified with Jesus. I am dead. I no longer live. But now I live, the, the presence of God lives through me. The life I live, I live in the body through faith in Jesus. So the old you is dead. There, there, is, a, there is a person that you were before Christ. That person's gone. The Scotty that was the devil worshiper sinner, he's a dead man. I don't even remember much about him anymore. Sometimes I remember, you know, what he was like, but I'm like, it's just so weird. Like that was 
that was who I was. I got saved. I, Jesus came into my life and something happened. The Spirit of God came into me and he came into you and I and you, we became new creations, like something new. I, I say this every time I mention this testimony. A family member, my, my uh, sister-in-law Paula, she's like, you look like you got sun. She's like, what's changed? Uh, Jesus. I didn't even know what to say. I just was, I was like three weeks old in the Lord, Christmas time. She's like, you look like you got sun because I was a pale little demonic weirdo. So that was uh, Romans 6, 2 through 4. You have been united with Christ in his death. When you get water baptized, that is a picture of you spiritually, what has happened to you in the spirit. You are buried with Christ in his death. Then we have Galatians 3.26. It says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. Let's just pause on that for a second. What, who are you? You need to ask yourself, God, who am I? When you see me, God, who am I? What do you say about me? God says you're his son or his daughter. You're not just a servant. Yeah, that's something that you do. You serve God. But that's not your identity. You're a king, but that's not your identity. That's just part of what type of son or daughter you are. You're a royal son or daughter. Being a priest isn't your identity, although that is part of your function as a son or daughter. You get to be a priest of God, a minister of God. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, so you and I have been baptized into the body of Christ. When you were immersed in that water, when you said, Jesus, I surrender my life, would you come live in me? I give my life to you. You got absorbed. Think of a picture of giant body of Jesus. You got absorbed into his body because the Bible says you are the body of Christ. You are in Christ. You're safe. You're secure. You are in the beloved. I wrap your mind around it. That's who you are now. You're a son or a daughter of God, and you're in Christ. All of us, as many were baptized into Christ, we have put on Christ. We have put Jesus on. You are clothed with Jesus. I have no idea what time I started, but I'm going to just keep moving here because I liked a rabbit trail. But these are sometimes okay rabbit trails, I guess. I've been told. Okay, this is... Okay, so we're baptized into Christ. We've put him on. We are in Christ. So now we're going to talk about a mindset. So let's just say it together. Mindset. Okay. God, in his wisdom and plan for your life and my life, was to give you a new nature and that you and I would be transformed in a, on an ongoing journey through the renewing of our mind by changing the way we think. So Paul talks a lot about mindsets. So let's, let's check this out. This is from Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 is one of my favorites. I don't know, it's all my favorite. But Colossians 3, it says, If you have been raised with Christ, okay, so we already know if you're, if you're a Christian, you've been crucified and buried with Jesus, right? And then you've been raised up and you've been brought into his body. You're now a part of his body, right? So now, if you've been raised with Christ, Paul is telling us we need to seek the things that are above, where Christ is. 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's pretty amazing. Just think about it for a second. Set your heart and your mind on things above where Christ is seated. And according to Ephesians, you're seated there too. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. No matter what you and I go through, we can always go back to this reality and we can speak this reality. My life is in Christ. I am hidden in Jesus. I am seated with Christ right now. I am protected in him. I, I have security and provision in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The awesome thing is when you look at that last verse there in verse four, it says, when Christ who is your life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Wrap your brain around that. When Jesus returns to the earth, you're gonna return with him. I would say that means you're gonna get raptured first. I'm one of those pre-tribulation rapture guys. I don't preach it because a lot of people have different ways that they believe it's all gonna fall together, but it doesn't really matter. You know? I'll explain it to you on the way up. <laughs> <clears throat> the reality is Jesus is coming again. So whether you're still on the earth when he returns or you're pass away and then you meet the Lord in the clouds with those that are resurrected with him, with you, or we all come back at the same time, it's going to happen. He's coming back. He will literally come back to this planet and rule and reign for a thousand years, the Bible tells us. Okay, let's move on. This would be Romans 8, 5 through 6. This describes in Romans 8, Paul's talking about two different mindsets. Okay, so Paul is already telling us in one scripture to set your mind on heavenly things, on things that are above, right? He says, for those who live according to the flesh, Greek word for flesh is sarks, because it really sarks, flesh sarks. Okay, so those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, Holy Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. You want life and peace? I hope so. Or do you want death? No, you don't want death. I don't want death. I don't want to smell like anything dead. I don't want to look dead. I, I want to be alive. I want life and peace, right? So do you. Okay, so that's the first couple verses there, five and six of chapter eight. And then we move on to verses nine through 11. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, there's a big if there. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If Christ, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, your flesh, your body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. You have the source of eternal life living in your physical body. You get sick, you get a bad report, you can pray for yourself. I mean, I'm not saying pray for yourself. Don't ask me. I'm, I'll pray too. I can pray for myself. I've got the, the Spirit of God who releases life 
to my physical body. If you need prayer, I can pray that over you. I can say, Holy Spirit, who is in you, God, we just thank you that your presence is in this son, this daughter. We just say, let your life fill their body now. Let your spirit radiate throughout their full physical frame and push out that sickness. Cause that illness to just be dried up, withered up, sent out, in Jesus' name. However you want to look at it. I like it how um, one guy, can't think of his name, the guy with all the dreadlocks, not, not the guy from Bethel. Todd White. You guys know who Todd White is? Todd White's this uh, guy. He's a powerful evangelistic Christian. He's got massive dreadlocks. When he talks about Christ living inside of you, he, in the scripture says that everywhere you and I go, we spread the fragrance of Christ. He says, turn to your neighbor and say, you are an air freshener. You're an air freshener. It's true. You freshen the air. Jesus, the Spirit of God, lives inside of you. You release life everywhere you go. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. You guys tracking on okay? You guys doing, are you guys doing okay over there? You're like, I can go a little longer, but I'm starting to get worn out. Don't worry. We know we've had five, so we're just like, we totally sympathize. So we're, we just bless you guys. We're praying at the same time that you feel peace right now. So, Okay, so that was Romans 9, or 8, 9 through 11. The Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of God in us makes this a reality. He gives life. Okay, so that is part of the mindset. Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, setting your mind on things above, not on the flesh. We get to choose every day where we're going to fix our thoughts. We get to be a daily living sacrifice before God. We get to offer to Him every fresh day. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. I was brushing my teeth one morning, and I looked in the mirror as I was scrubbing, and I heard the Lord say, my mercy is new every morning. And I was like, wow, I needed that. I don't hear His voice every morning while I'm brushing my teeth, but I did that morning, and it was very loud and clear. I was like, Okay, and I've remembered that. You know when God speaks something to you, you're, it's going to be one of those things that you always remember very quickly. Every morning, His mercy is new. You get the opportunity every, every new day, every rising of the sun, every day you get out of bed, and drink your caffeine, try to wake up, change a diaper, make a bottle. <laughs> anyway, you get to choose. Am I going to offer myself to God? and set my, my mind on things above at some point this day? What's my mindset going to be? It's a choice. We get to choose. There's a true reality of who we are positionally, and we get to step into that reality and walk it out. You know, last week, David, um, David and Cara are in Vegas right now, not on vacation. They're at a training, equipping thing, of all places, Sin City, but, you know, a business entrepreneurial anointing thing, uh, some they've received prophetic words over. Um, but last week he, he spoke on what he's getting out of this book, The Awe of God, about the fear of the Lord, what, the, what that actually means to walk in the fear of the Lord. The Bible tells us that we are to work out our salvation. Like you got a deposit, you got salvation given to you as a free gift. It is in you, he is in you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. You get to rise up every day and either walk with him and be, be led by the Spirit of God in your spirit, or you can set your mind on the flesh 
and not move forward, not move in, in the, the ongoing sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Most of us, it's like two steps forward, half a step back, three steps forward, maybe two steps. I don't know how it is. But you know what I mean? You know, you're, you're moving forward. If you were to look from here to five years ago, you'd be like, yeah, I've moved forward. But if you were like day by day, take a look, you're like, I don't know, I don't see a lot of progress. It's growth, but it can be, it's, it can be a slow growth. But that's how God works. You know, he's patient and he wants the growth that you and I experience to be healthy and real and life-giving. So David preached last week about, you know, having that fear of the Lord. We, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The rest of that scripture says, for it is he, Holy Spirit, who lives in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So the Holy Spirit is in you, stirring your heart, stirring your will and your desires, pulling you into this place of yieldedness to him so that he could lead you. He is at work in you. He wants to, to have you cooperate with him so that you can will and act, to will and do life according to his purpose. Okay, here's another scripture. We're almost done. So you can take a deep breath, all y'all. Romans 6, 11 through 14. We're going to call this a dead reckoning. Yes, you're here. Sorry, I'm not supposed to do that. I can't help myself. But. Liberty. Okay, Romans 6, 11 through 14. This is something that you and I get to do on a daily basis also. When we get up, we get to reckon ourselves dead. I reckon. I reckon I'm a dead man, and I just climbed out of bed, and my breath smells like a dead man. I'm trying to be funny. Thank you, one person gets my humor in the room. <laughs> reckon. We need to consider. Okay, we'll speak modern English, not deep south English. Deep south, they'd say, I reckon. I reckon myself dead. Hey. Submit, woman. <laughs> She'll make me submit later. Okay. Let's just look at the scripture. Dead reckoning. Put to death, therefore. This is something that he's not saying Holy Spirit's going to come do this for you. He's telling you this is what you and I get to do. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay, here's the list. You guys ready? Put on your holiness seatbelt. Sexual immorality. Yes, I said it. What is sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is sexual activity outside of a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. Period. There is no other form of sexual relationship that God has ordained as holy and good. You guys okay? No one's running out the door. I said something one time and someone hit that door so fast and the, the gas pedal on the car was like, <laughs> no, they didn't drive through the wall or anything. Okay, Whew. good. I'm okay because it's the word of God. I'm just telling you what it says. So, oh, I didn't even move forward. You guys are like, what's he reading? Put to death, therefore, okay, get a big hammer and a nail and crucify some things here. Let's kill some things, right? Put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, okay, certain kinds of passion. There is passion for God that you don't want to kill. Evil desire, covetousness, covetousness, excuse me, which is idolatry. What is covetousness? Wanting stuff that other people have that you don't have. So idolatry. On the account of these things, or these, the wrath of God is coming. 
Okay, God is going to come, and he will pour out his judgment on this planet someday. On the account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, we put on Jesus, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian or slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I know, it's so boring listening to that guy up there. Christ is all, and he is in all. We are going to look at two more scriptures, then we're going to wrap it up. You guys ready? So that's the dead reckoning. We need to consider ourselves dead and put to death those things. There's another verse here in Colossians chapter 3. I know the first part of Colossians 3 said to set your mind on things above because you have been crucified with Christ and now your life is hidden in him. This is a fun chapter because it's like a clothing chapter. It's like going to the clothing store, ladies. This is where we get to try on some things. Let's try on some new outfits, right? Yes, I know you women like to go shop and look at clothes and us guys have to get drug along with you. Like, how much does that cost? Is it on sale? You're fine in your t-shirts over there. Anyway, okay. So here we go. This is what you get to put on. Okay, we'll talk about what you're going to take off, but here's what you get to put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, he says you are holy and you are beloved and chosen. So put on as God's chosen, holy and beloved ones, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds them, or binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, that's important, be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Twice I see thanksgiving in there. I think there's a, something to be emphasized, like be thankful. Be thankful. Yeah. 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 Amen. Okay. There we go. I knew, knew someone had an amen in them. Okay. And so here's what we got to take off. Do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. This is actually a different scripture. This is, I'll just read it because I don't know what it is. It's Bible. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing, and not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, we can set our minds on the desires of the flesh and go down that trail. 
and it just, it, it, it just is like a slippery slope. It'll just keep going and going and going. God gives us opportunity to step off that path, to turn around and face him, which is called repentance. Repentance isn't feeling sorry for what you did wrong, crying and saying, oh God, I'm so sorry, I forgive me. Repentance is turning around. It's changing your mind. It's going one direction and realizing I am going the wrong direction. I'm turning around and I am facing God. Here's our last scripture. We made it to the finish line. Take a deep breath. We're there. Not that this is what Paul said. In, 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 in light of all of this, this is something we need to understand. This is not meant to be a heavy, weighty thing that's added to you to make you feel condemned or make you feel like a failure because you haven't been doing it. Even Paul says here in Philippians 3, he said, not that I have already obtained all this or I am, that I'm already perfect, okay? He already, he recognized, well, you need to recognize you haven't already obtained it all. You haven't been made perfect yet, okay? But I press on, just say press on. Turn to your neighbor and say, press on. <laughs> press on, press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forget what lies behind. Okay, here's a key. You need to forget about yesterday. You need to forget about the mistakes. You need to forget about the stuff that people offended you over. Every day, you can't go back and fix yesterday. I mean, you can try to fix it by making amends, right? But you can't change what you did. You can't go back and relive that day. That day is a closed page, turned page. We need to forget what is behind and we need to start a fresh day with God every day. We need to reckon ourselves or consider ourselves who we really are. The, the dead man is the dead man. I'm gonna get up out of bed. I'm gonna clothe myself with Christ. And I'm gonna remind myself where I am seated. I am seated in the heavenly realm. I am seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So let us, all those of us who are mature, think of it this, this way. Think of think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Why don't we stand up? We'll stand up, we're gonna pray, and then we can move about the cabin and visit. And if anyone wants prayer after we pray, the closing prayer, you just come up front here. All right, Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. You want to close us in prayer, dear? Yeah. I'm tired of hearing my own voice. Yeah, I'm, Father, I'm... we just thank you, God. We just ask that you just work this all out in our hearts, Father. And God, that we just continue to press into you for wisdom and understanding, Father God. I just bless every, ask that you bless everyone here tonight, Father, and um, bless them during this week. In your name we pray.